right, guys, how you doing? Here is Austin Cunningham and Justin Treef on Talking Football with a great guest, Mr. Clay Mack, one of the most renowned trainers for NFL defensive backs. Um, he has worked with some of the top talents in the league, uh, freshly drafted Jeff Akuda from Ohio State, now with the Lions. Trained Marshawn Lattimore, and you can just keep adding a list of these top-level defensive backs in the NFL that this guy has worked with. Clay, how are you doing, man? Thank you for your time. We're happy to have you on. Doing great. Doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing good. It's hot here. Um, I don't know where you're from, but I'm in Missouri, and, man, it is – this humidity is killer this week. Yeah, I'm down here in Dallas, Texas, so um, you already know when you're here in Texas, you're – that's it's <laughs> hot, so – you know, we can't avoid it. Absolutely. Uh, so let's go ahead and hop right in here to the interview then. Um, like I said, uh, you have worked with some of the top guys in the NFL. And just a basic question for you, I'm sure that you get a lot. Uh, when you start working with these guys in training, do you pretty much know right away that these guys have that NFL talent? Or is it something where you're like, hey, I see the potential. If we work on this or that, you can reach this level. Or is it you know right from the jump? Well, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I try not to be the, um, you know, the, the the person that necessarily makes the decision on whether or not a kid is going to be, you know, badly hooed or not, or, you know, what kind of success that he can kind of expect or what have you. Because, I mean, as you guys know, and been around the game a long time and just athletics and sports, that, you know, some of these kids are slow to warm up. And, you, you know, uh, and, and I just had this conversation not too long ago about, you know, sometimes like you, you might run into a kid in high school at the high school level, he might be decent, you know, but then he get to college. The college game just might fit him better. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and vice versa, though. You know, you might get a, a four- or five-star kid in high school that when he get to college, he just he, he just can't adapt, you know what I'm saying, for whatever mm -hmm. reason. Um, so, you know, what I try to do is I just try to identify, you know, the strengths and whatever discrepancies that they might have. And um, we try to enhance the strengths and whatever discrepancies are. You know what I'm saying? Just try to make sure that we work on those enough to balance things out. You know what I'm saying? And then from there, just, you know, uh, let, let the cars fall where they may. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and just try to give the athletes a better opportunity to, you know what I'm saying, to be successful at that particular point. That's that's awesome, actually. Uh, real quick before, Therese, don't mean to cut you off here, man. Um, how did you kind of get started into this? I tried to read up a little bit, and I see there's several stories written on you. Um, did, you did you know that you kind of wanted to do this in college, and it just kind of took you some time? to get into this field or, you know, or was it just kind of something you fell into and was like, yeah, this is exactly what I want to do? Uh, really, it was just kind of something I fell into, uh, to be honest. But, uh, but, but to set the premise on that, uh, I remember being in college and, you know, I used to come home and train with, you know, with pro guys, you know, guys like Kevin Smith, used to play for the, for the Cowboys uh, back in the day, uh, uh, Aaron Glenn, who's, tip, who's, the, um, who's the current defensive back coach with the New York, uh, with the uh, New Orleans Saints, uh, Aaron and, and, and Aaron's wife and myself, we went to high school together. So I kind of met him through those circles. Uh, the um, young lady I used to date at the time and Aaron's wife was best friends. And, um, you know what I'm saying, you know, so and other guys like Ray Makings and, you know, just, you know, uh, uh, you know just, just, just some of the other guys that I kind of used to kind of hover around a little bit. Um, you know, we used to all, you know, kind of train, train together and or watch film together and things of that sort when I used to come home from college. And so uh, I used to pick up on various techniques and, and different ways on how to do things. And so what it did was it really put me in tune with my functional movement, my biomechanical movements, and, you know, how efficient movements really should be. Uh, naturally, I didn't know the, the true science behind it at that particular time. But one thing I did know that, you know, you have to be crisp, you know what I'm saying, you know, within your movements and, 
Um, and, and I started to realize that it's not necessarily that you're blowing coverages as a defensive back. It's the movements within the coverage that's disallowing you to make plays. So, you know, once I kind of start honing in on, on, on those type of things, I took that mindset back to college. But my defensive back coach, who was my defensive coordinator at the time also, he wasn't quite on that level. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, him and I used to kind of bump heads about that type stuff. And so I actually switched my stance in college. And he didn't actually like that. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and, and I'm not going to necessarily say he didn't like it, but, you know, did one-on-ones one time with a guy named Eric Mose uh, in, in college at Mississippi State. And I had switched my stance for the first time. And he, he told me flat out, he didn't want me to teach the other guys how to do that. You know what I'm saying? Because the guys was really, really intrigued by it. And it really kind of rubbed me the wrong way because of the fact that, you know, if you're a coach slash teacher, I mean, that mm-hmm. should be the whole objective of your job is to, you know, to enhance guys, you know, where they're delinquent at. So, um, that was part of my motivation as to once I got out of college and, and you know, I, I got hurt actually my senior year in college. I took the groin off my bone. So from that particular point, you know, just kind of got in corporate America a little bit and got a call from my, from my former high school head coach where I was a two-time All-American in high school. And he wanted me to come to, to my high school to look at some defensive backs. And uh, so I did it. thought I was going to be out there for, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes or so, end up being out there for two hours. And... <laughs> And one of the kids say, you know, hey, look, you know, we see your pictures on the wall. You know what I'm saying? I won a state championship in basketball also uh, at my high school. So, um, you know, could you train me or could you work with me? And I was like, eh, I don't know, uh-uh-uh, whatever. So end up doing it. And from there, it went from having one kid training uh, one Saturday, Sunday to um, 55 kids within six weeks. You know what oh, I'm saying? So, wow. Yes. At that particular point. Um, it started making sense that, you know, me getting hurt and and the, and the way I got the injury that I did have, you know, really kind of diluted my dreams of, you know, really going to play for a long time, what have you. Um, I started to realize that it wasn't my calling to go play for 10, 12 years. My calling was to get out here and uh, enhance others to make sure that that they're getting all the tools that they need I'm saying, to be successful on the next level. And once I started realizing that, the preset for that was the fact that uh, the coach that I had, you know, didn't didn't want you know me to help other guys at that particular time. So now I even use that right today as my motivation. You know what I'm saying to make sure that every time I I come across a kid, whether it's I, I have eight nine year old kids that I train, uh, also not just for you know for for the pro level guys that I give those eight nine year olds the same energy and the same efforts that I do my pro guys. You know what I'm saying so that's always served as a motivation for me. That's amazing. I love that, that that attitude of getting the younger guys the same attitude and all of that. So that's awesome. So with COVID going on, how has that changed your structure in your training process with uh, just the distance that needs to be done or any sort of mask wearing or anything like that? How how have you changed your philosophy? Well, I mean, I've 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 went from out from inside to outside. Okay, I'm saying so. So that was the first adjustment that I made. Uh, just wanted to make sure we weren't in no kind of confined space. Uh, to be honest. And um, and then from there, also what I did was, you know, sometimes I used to have groups of, you know, 30, 40, 50 DBs at a time. Um, so I had to dilute that as well so I can be conscious about the whole social distancing um, elements of it. So now I just do um, the max group number that I do now is four kids or four athletes. And but for the most part, I do uh, two man private groups and I do one on one groups. I'm okay. saying so. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and like with some of my pros and older guys, you know, like with Jamal Adams and and some of those guys and Jeff Okuda and and I trained some Cowboys, uh, uh, you know, guys like Byron Jones who just went to Miami, uh, Kayvon Frazier, Cheeto Awuzie, 
uh, you know, some of those guys. I allow those guys to be in a in a bigger group uh, because I know that they they have more of a conscience about it because it's it's their job. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but but even then, they have a conscience about the social distancing thing and, and hold on. But when you're talking about you know younger kids, whatever, you know, you have to you have to make that group small enough that that you can control that environment because kids don't know no better. You know, they they when once they see each other, especially kids that have been training with each other. Et cetera, for years and whatever the case may be, because you know I'm tend to I tend to kind of get them young and then try to develop them. Um, those kids have been around each other two, three, four, five, or six years sometimes, and so they don't know no better. You know what I'm saying? So naturally, what they're gonna do when they see each other, they're gonna gravitate towards each other. You know what I'm saying? So, but my job is to um, dilute the group size. That way, I can have control of that, and I can say, hey, look, guys, you guys space out, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I made some adjustments. You know, definitely uh, just having a conscience about. You know what, what society has have us have, have given us now, right? Awesome. awesome. Um, so you you mentioned um a little bit ago that you you're working with everyone of all ages. You know, you try and right. get them young, and then you train with them up. Uh, yep. What would you say is like the top drill that's young for a young DB to start with? You know what I mean? Like some people they listening to this, you know, they might have kids that or might be playing this position. If there was some advice that you could offer, like a starting point for that, what would you recommend is like, Hey, this is where you should start and kind of grow from there. Well, I mean, for, for me, it's not necessarily a drill. And, and here's why I say that. The, the reason I say that is because all of my drills are, are really kind of organic and this kind of tailored to the kid. Okay. Because, you know, I think, I think where a lot of trainers go wrong is that they might have a drill that they might try to force on everybody. Okay. Well, if I got 10 kids in my, in, in, in my session and I do a drill, well, that drill might not necessarily apply to every kid, okay? I think in that instance, if you do do a drill that's kind of generic or that you want to apply to everybody, you really got to have the eye to see what part of this drill um, uh, do this particular athlete have a discrepancy with, okay? So if his backpedal open up and go, okay, well, this kid might have a problem with the backpedal part, with the balance in the backpedal. Okay, well, this kid might have a problem with the, with the open up part of it. He might open and pop up. Okay, well, this kid don't know how to when once he get through that part of it, he don't really know how to keep his shoulder open so he can look downhill. You know what I'm saying? Because now he overturned. Now his shoulders in the way. Well, he can see now because he don't have shoulder pads on. But once he gets shoulder pads on, that's going to obstruct his view. You know what I'm saying? So, so if you do a drill, you got to have an eye for you know what part of the drill that's going to impact every athlete. Now, what, I say all that to say this: the things that I try to hone in on when I train is make sure that these kids are are in tune with their rhythm coordination. A lot of these kids are not fully coordinated, okay? So if you're not fully coordinated, that's going to hamper your movements, okay? So I'm a rhythm, balance, and coordination guy. Once you kind of get that under control, because all three of those elements have to have a relationship, okay? I mean, one can't be mad at the other. One can't say, I'm going to do my own thing. It can't be in that. They all have to be in sequence with one another. Then now you're talking about your functional movement, your biomechanical movements, and then your kinetics. You got to make sure everything is in link, okay? So so for me, that's what I would say. Um, you know, just just make sure, you know, what I'm saying just just make making sure that, um, you know, the rhythm, balance, and coordination is intact. And then from there, I think that's when you can start off slowly with your movements and understanding, you know, why sudden functional movements is prevalent. You know what I'm saying so. So for me, I mean, that, and and I do that right today with all my even my older guys when they go off to college and they come back, or they go off to the NFL and they come back for the off season. The first thing that we do, we tap into the old fundamentals as it relates to rhythm balance and coordination and and in fact right before COVID hit uh with Jalen Mills for instance um you know our first session was 45 for about 45 minutes um and it was just you know jog two yards jog back two yards jog four yards jog back so I can make sure that when he stopped 
what I'm saying? His his dry foot is out the way of his of his of his drag foot, so that he won't be stepping over himself. You know, things of that sort. You know what I'm saying? So we can get back our rhythm, balance, and coordination. We can get that back. Then we can eventually start integrate integrating drills. Awesome. That's really cool. All right. Um. So. Jeff Akuda is obviously the big name guy that came out of the draft class, the highest uh, corner drafted. And you've been working with him since I believe the seventh or eighth grade, if I read that correctly. Uh, what's, what's a cool training story that you have about him? Like what made him where you were just like, yes, I need to continue to work with this kid and I need to watch him grow and help him further his career. You know, I, it's, it's not, it's not a story in particular. Um, but, but, but to speaking on, speaking on Jeff behalf though, um, I, I don't know. We we met and we just clicked uh, for whatever reason. We just, I mean, it was just, I mean, I, I don't know. It was just symbiotic. And and then come to find out his story, my, our stories are similar. You know, he lost his mother. I lost my mother as well, what have you. Um, you know, he's the only son. I'm the only child. So um, so I, I don't know if just if something in the atmosphere to make us kind of, you know, cross paths or whatever the case may be. But, you know, it's, it's hard to dislike a Jeff Okuda because of the fact that, you know, his his natural disposition, uh, what you see of him and what you read of, I mean, it's true. You know what I'm saying? He he tried not to, uh, uh, you know, uh, put put you know ripples in the water or whatever the case may be or whatnot. He's a he's a, a real cerebral type of kid. Um, you know, he you're not gonna catch him with the off the field stuff and uh, or none of that. He's really really respectful. Um, he speaks well. Um, and he have a conscience about that. He have a conscience about kids and adults and and you know things of that sort of whatnot. So I mean, he's he's somebody definitely that you want. Um, you know, at the front at the fore from the franchise, but a real, a, a quick story though, is that uh, I had him and about 25, maybe other guys in a training session back when he was a junior going into his, um, going to a senior year. So he had been labeled the number one overall DB in the country at that time. So first he was the number one safety in the country. And then he became the number one corner in the country uh, when he moved to corner. So ESPN just said, Hey, look, we just going to make him the overall DB, the top overall DB in the country. So we're in a training session one night and, um, so he, we was on the drill, and so I made him keep going over and going over and back and forth. And so afterwards, uh, one of the dads, one of the parents that was there, he said, you know, hey, look, is that the Jeff Okuda kid? I said, yeah. He said, well, you made him go over in that drill like 10 times in a row. I said, no, it was, it was 15 times. I counted. He said, well, why you make him go over 15 times? I said, well, did you not see him do it incorrectly 14 times? <laughs> what, 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 what you mean? Yeah, I said, if I think about it, I said, with all due respect, I said, it's mindsets like how, what you're talking about. Those are the type of mindsets that won't allow these guys to grow. I said, I'm not caught up in the fact that he's the number one guy in the country. I said, in fact, he wasn't the number one guy in the country when we met. I said, so we grew together into that. I said, so I have the leeway and the platform to be able to tell him to go back 25 times going to. You know what I'm saying? I said, but the thing about it, when he get to Ohio State or wherever he's going, um, they don't have the time to correct some of the small stuff you know what I'm saying? That I'm going to correct. You know what I'm saying? Um, I like to work on that stuff that's not sexy. You know, so all this Instagram stuff, I call it N1 mixtape drills. All that, all that stuff that's, that, <laughs> that don't matter. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't do that. But the movements you're going to do in cover two and cover three and cover four, cover five, six, seven, eight, whatever, whatever your coverage is going to be, those are the movements we're going to do. And those are what we're going to work on. So, uh, and, and ironically, that night, you know what I'm that was some of the movements that we was working on, something that was really, really football related. Um, and um, just so happened that I had to send him back over that many times. But what it did also was it set the tone for all the other kids that wasn't rated as high as him, that they know that if I send him back 15 times or 14 times, 
yeah, I know that I better do this right because he will send me back. Yep, <laughs> that is that's honestly probably one of the best stories I've ever heard in a bit. I'm I've almost had to put my mic on mute. I was laughing so hard at it. Uh, I love that story though. Um, how hard did you guys laugh or you know kind of get a chuckle out of his combine interview where that kid asked him, "Hey, you know, how do you plan on fixing any mistakes that you made in college?" And Jeff goes back and is like, hey, go ahead and rewatch the tape because I didn't make any mistakes. Did you guys kind of have a, a time and an opportunity to kind of laugh about that? or? Yeah, 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 yeah we, we did. You know, we kind of laughed about it a little bit um, because the thing about it is that, you know, you know, Jeff's a real prideful guy. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, for him, you know, he wanted to be mistake-free as possible. You know, he understands nobody's perfect, you know what I'm saying, for that matter. Um, mm-hmm. but, he'll, but he'll be the first to tell you that, you know, Coach, I need to clean this up or I need to clean that up. You know, saying what are some of the things I need, I need, I could do to clean this up, or whatever the case may be, or whatnot. You know, and and um, he's not so ego driven that he won't pick the brain of other guys. You know, what I'm saying so. And and think about the access of guys that he have just simply down here in Dallas alone. You know, with Jamal and Jalen Mills and and guys like Akeem Talib. And I mean, I the, the list can go on. Of Chris Harris. I mean, I, I can go on down the list of guys that just live here in the Metroplex um, that he can reach out to. You know, what I'm saying uh, so. Um, he don't, he don't, he, he's, he have no shame in that. Um, you know, he reach out to guys all the time. Now he might talk to a guy and say, okay, well, you know, here's how I do it. Jeff might say, well, that don't work for me. I appreciate the time and effort to whatever case may be or whatnot. Or he might take tidbits of, you know, somebody's game here and somebody's game here, whatever case may be. My job is to find out what he's trying to do and to make sure that we tailor it based on what he can and can't do. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so yeah, no, nah, we, we, we chuckled at that. A little bit but funny thing about it we took it at it and we moved on yeah does that is that's awesome uh, i want to ask a quick question you brought up jamal adams yeah. how bad does he want to go to dallas you don't you don't have to give an honest answer but is it he's dead serious wants to come back to dallas okay so so here's here, here's the best way i can answer that okay without yeah. um you know you know speaking out of turn speaking out of bounds whatever case may be right well jamal grew up in dallas he grew up a dallas cowboys fan so He've always wanted to play for the Cowboys. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that's 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 yeah, he nothing. He wants to come home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 nothing new. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, the, all the reports that's out and this, that, and other whatnot. One thing that I I kind of showed that a little bit that I wish he wouldn't have did was made the comment about him trying to come when when that fan asked him, you know, you come to Dallas, oh. you, like man, I'm trying, whatnot. You know what I'm saying? So. I mean, that's the, that's the only thing that I would say that, you know, I wish he, you know, that, that wouldn't occur. But, but other than that, though, I mean, I, I, I understand his frustration. Uh, we've always, we, we always talk candidly about it. Uh, whenever he wants to, I don't ever bring it up unless he do, you know, things of that sort of whatnot, because I try to steer clear of, you know, my guy's personal business per se. But uh, me personally, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him here. I mean, to be honest, um, you know, but, but the fact that he's uh, in the NFL, I, I'm ecstatic about that. I mean, that's, that's, that's more so for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whether it's the Bengals or the whomever, I, I don't, I don't care. I mean, just the fact that, you know, I'm stretching him in the sixth grade, and he's talking about how he want to go play in the SEC and go play in the NFL and be a higher draft pick than his than his father that went 19 pick of the draft. Yep. You know what I'm saying? All that, from from having those conversations from a, from a little kid to now, uh, I mean, and and for me being in the green room with him, I mean, that was ecstatic for me also. I mean, it was a, a surreal moment when he got drafted up uh, uh, out in Philly. Uh, I was actually in the green room with him, so I mean that was that was that was surreal for me. So um, the, the whole Dallas talk and all that and whatnot, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, I would love for him to be in Dallas. I mean, I'm I guess, to be honest, but 
but I don't have a problem with it being a New York Cuban. Right. Yeah. And I don't mean to put you in a tough spot there. Um, you mentioned being in the green room with Jamal Adams. I saw that you were also with, with Jeff when he was drafted as well. Um, how was that moment for the both of you? You know, you mentioned earlier, like just how pretty much the universe kind of brought you guys together, having similar type lives, and then you connect in a way. How, how was that moment for you two right there with that? Wait, I mean, that, that, that moment was a little bit different based on the circumstances. You know, he, yeah. he, lost, he lost his mom a week after him being on campus at Ohio State. Um, you know, she knew that he had dreams and aspirations of, you know, going to the NFL. Um, none of us knew he was going to be a number three pick, you know, naturally. I'm saying so. And uh, if you look closely, uh, we, had a, we had a chair with a, with a picture of his mom in the chair, sitting in the chair. Yep. So we allowed her to be a part of the moment, or they did, put it like that, allowed her to be a part of the moment. Um, you know what I'm saying? Also, so, so different circumstances surrounding that particular ordeal. And uh, it was a very emotional time. Um, I got really emotional on my way home, you know what I'm saying, leaving her house. You know what I'm saying? Also, uh, because I know where we came from compared to where, you know, he's at now. So, um, yeah, I mean, different, definitely a different situation with Jamal having his mom and dad and his agent and, you know what I'm saying, myself and, you know, the people that his sister, and, you know, his uh, niece at the time, you know what I'm saying, or what have you, you know, having been able to be, you know, just be kind of that inclusive compared to, you know, Jeff's situation, you know, his father wasn't there. Um, mom has passed away, you know what I'm saying? So he's with his aunt and uncle who serves as his, sur his surrogates now. What have we got his sister? So, I mean, it, it was a very emotional uh, time, uh, to be honest. So, um, but, um, you know, uh, um, juvenile to say the least. That's incredible. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's a, that's some awesome insight there. Um, we have a Lions fan, the Riley that reached out to you. I mean, diehard Lions fan. He's so excited for Jeff. He's going to love this, this interview, but we ask every single guest this question and it's a specialty from Treese. So we'll go ahead and let him ask that. And I think we'll pretty much be it unless Treese has got more for you. Yeah. So uh, we like to ask it. It's a fun question for everybody. If you were still an athlete and given you work with a lot of athletes, so you may even talk to them about this. Uh, my cleat, my cause, we all know there's the month where everybody gets to be creative and put things on their cleats. Uh, what organization would you represent and support? Uh, for me, uh, it'll probably be something, um, maybe Susan G or something, you know what I'm saying? Something dealing with women, um, to be honest, um, you know, I'm, I'm pro-women as it relates to, you know, their, their, their activation, you know what I'm saying, uh, um, you know, and, and the role that they play in society, uh, things of that sort of whatnot. Um, I have a daughter myself, you know what I'm saying? And like I said, mentioned earlier, I was the only child, so, and my mom passed away of, a, of an aneurysm, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and, and her best friend passed away of, of an aneurysm also, you know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, it, it'll probably be something along those lines, to be honest. Um, I would probably have to hone in on it and see which one that I wanted, I wanted to support what have you, but, um, you know, it'll definitely be some, you know, something along those lines. Um, you know, I'm, I'm also, I also have a conscience about this whole, you know, this, this, this whole trafficking deal, you know what I'm saying? With the women trafficking, that's that yeah. type of deal. So I've really been on my daughter, um, about her awareness, you know what I'm saying? When it comes to stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? Also, so, you know, I'm, I'm real passionate about, you know, causes like that. That's awesome. Love it. Uh, all right, Clay. Well, we appreciate you taking the time. We know you're busy. You're training everybody. You're taking care of your family and whatnot. So we appreciate you taking the time to come and hang out with us for a few minutes. Oh, no, 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 no. The, the pleasure is mine. I look for, I, and I apologize for, for missing it on Wednesday. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, I was, no, you're good. I mean, you I was, talked was, about a miscommunication issue. That was, <laughs> that's on our end yeah, there. Yeah. No, I, was, I, was, I, was amped, I was amped up. I, I, I told my guys, 
in the whole nine. You know what I'm saying? Because they 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 know I was moving a little different that day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, because what's going on with us, man? I, I got a podcast, man. I've been going to help some guys, you know, with the podcast and da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? And whatnot. I say I'm I'm trying to build a relationship with them a little bit. Um, and they were like, "Well, coach, I mean, that's that's kind of what you do." I said, "Exactly." I said, "So they reached out to me." I said, "So you know, I, I might mention some of you guys." I said, "So you know, hey, you know, it is what it is." They're like, "Oh, coach, I mean, you, you definitely have our permission." To, you know what I'm saying? Because they know I'm I'm gonna talk. I'm if I bring up anybody, I'm I'm gonna talk about them in good conscience. You know what I'm right. saying? What happened? You know what I'm saying? What not? So uh, so I so I was I was very excited. Then I looked up at my clock, man. It was six something. I was like, "What happened?" <laughs> and so, it happens like it was yeah. no big deal. We 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 understand that yeah, you're man. Man, so absolutely. Yeah, so so today, so today when I left the field, um, today, um, I came home and and washed and just tried to keep myself busy. You know, what I'm saying what have you. And then I have a couple of guys I trained at University of Oklahoma. So I was talking to one of him, uh, one of those guys, and um, I looked at the clock. Well, I got the, I got the text. You know, what I'm saying so. I told him I said, "Hey, man, I got to get off the phone." I got, I gotta go, and and we and we was heavy. We was heavy in some in some football talk. We was heavy, you know what I'm saying. I told him, I said, man, I call you back. I said, I, I gotta do this podcast. He's like, oh, okay, go, okay, no, no problem. He said, hit me back though. I said, I, I hit you back out. I said, but I gotta get on this podcast here in a minute. So, but no, I appreciate, I appreciate you guys, man. That's amazing. I love it. I love it, Clay. Thank you so much. Trish, send us out of here, man. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody. We appreciate all you fans listening. And tonight we've been talking football. <laughs>